0: Greetings in Jesus' name, I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one of that video teaching series, which is focused on learning to pray in the Spirit. And this is lesson number nine. And uh, I'd like to share this thought with you. The true apostolic ministry of praying in the Spirit is the flow of the Spirit through us in tongues. You said you've already said that before. (laughs) <laughs> I know, and it won't be the last time I say it in this video series. And I'm going to use again, just before I get into the, the details of this lesson, again, John seven thirty seven through 39. And the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And John added uh, in the Holy Ghost, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, in this video, we're going to be a little this lesson is going to be just a little bit different than the ones that have preceded it, uh, and you'll find out a little bit why. Uh, but l- let me Let me make some statements to you that are very critical. These lessons are based on the assumption that the one who is praying in the spirit has had a personal breakthrough in the Holy Ghost to the point that their praying in tongues has significantly progressed beyond the repetition of a few sounds and syllables. And I said in the last video, the last lesson that Yes, when a person receives the Holy Ghost, they don't have to recite figuratively the Gettysburg Address and the Spirit for it to be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They just have to speak in tongues. The Bible does not say how long they have to speak in tongues for it to be the evidence that they've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. But we're supposed to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Savior Jesus Christ, and we're supposed to continue to give ourselves to the Lord in prayer and in submission to his will, and in also yieldedness of our heart, soul, minds, and spirits uh, to him, along with our bodies, uh, so that he can use us. If you still are basically, when you do occasionally speak in tongues, if you do go through and say those same sounds and words that you've basically been saying ever since you first got the Holy Ghost, then these lessons are not really going to benefit you until you pray and get the liberty of the Holy Ghost that is necessary for you to have to be able to pray in the Spirit. Usually as an individual moves from one flow of the Spirit in tongues to another, the actual tongue that the Holy Ghost is speaking through them will change to a different one. Therefore, these lessons presuppose that the one praying has the liberty in the Spirit of God to be able to pray in tongues as needed. Now, that is so important. My mother was attending United Pentecostal Church when I was born. I received the Holy Ghost at age 12, and so I am now 74, so I've had the Holy Ghost over 62 years. And I, I, you know, that's... That wasn't always my experience. And so I'm saying to you, this breakthrough is vitally important, both for the individual and for these lessons, to have any real relevance in the life of the of the individual. For these things to make a difference to you, you've got to be able to break through until you speak in tongues freely. This breakthrough is vitally important for both the individual and for these lessons to have any real relevance in the individual's life. The individual who is still speaking the same basic sounds and syllables of their initial baptism of the Spirit has far more issues than whether or not they can pray regularly and effectively. Now, I don't mean to be offensive here at all, and I'm not questioning your faith and love for God. I'm not not sitting here judging you. I'm actually giving you good news. <clears throat> the good news is you have plateaued, but you don't have to stay plateaued. I've told the story many times of what original with me. I don't even remember before I first heard it of the lady who had a young son, I guess four or five or whatever, six. And he was, went, fell asleep on the couch downstairs and she picked him up and, and uh, carried him up to bed. And she went back downstairs and would continue to read I guess that's what she was doing. And then in a little while there was this loud thump and she rushed up the stairs and she found her son laying on the floor, not in the bed where she uh, had put him. And he, uh she said, honey, what happened? And he said, I went to sleep too close to where I got in the bed. And a lot of people plateau or at the expense of sounding like I'm being critical, but trying to help you understand. A lot of people have a, have a faith in God, but they're asleep. And the Bible talks about believers that are asleep. And if you're asleep, you're technically unconscious. And there's not a whole lot he can do for you, to you, with you, through you, if you're asleep. And you may not be technically asleep. But if you plateaued spiritually, then everything's about you. You go to church for you. You pray for you. You read the Bible for you. You ask God to give to you because you've plateaued. That's not the will of God. Again, any an individual who's still praying the basic sounds and syllables of their initial baptism with the Spirit has far more issues than whether or not they can pray regularly and effectively. The individual being stuck with their initial tongues of Holy Ghost baptism indicates a stagnation of yieldedness that puts their walk with God in serious jeopardy. So there's there are issues here that are more than simple issues of whether or not you can pray in tongues easily. There are, there are issues. And you should be concerned for yourself. And if you're around people that speak in tongues freely, I know for a fact, I can guarantee you that you've been uncomfortable with the fact that you don't pray in tongues easily and that you're reluctant to pray in tongues around other people because if you've prayed with people very much and they've heard you pray in tongues you know they're going to know that you say those same sounds and words all the time. What does that do? That makes you very uncomfortable praying with others, especially others that have a liberty in the spirit. And they're not judging you. They're just praying in the spirit. But you're judging yourself. And yet what we do, what we, 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 you know, humanity goes, but I do all these things and so I'm okay. I do all this. I go to church regularly. I pay my tithes. I live separated. I obey the pastor. So I'm okay. But are you growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Are you growing in the Spirit at all? Are you growing in the Word at all? Are you growing in your yieldedness to the will of God for your life moment by moment through the day? Again, the individual, being stuck with their initial tongues of Holy Ghost baptism indicates a stagnation of yieldiness that puts their walk with God in serious jeopardy. This condition should concern the individual so described to the point that they feel immediately called to a place of dedication and consecration where they pray until they have truly prayed through to liberty in the Holy Ghost. And this is available to every one of you. God is no respecter of persons. You may never pray like somebody else does in prayer. And how many different languages are there? We don't even know how many languages are in heaven. At least one we know of that's different. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, there is a language of the angels. And I'm assuming that's how they communicate with God. And I'm sure that God... God's communication with his angels before they were men was not limited to whatever languages men were going to eventually use, especially since man only had one language until the Tower of Babel. There's no indication that men ever spoke but one language. And the assumption would be that whatever language man spoke until the Tower of Babel uh, took place and their language was scattered, they were scattered by their languages being changed, that it must have been the same language of God and the angels. Must have been. And at the Tower of Babel, the Lord confounded the languages because they were not obeying him. They were not going forth to replenish and multiply the earth. They were staying in one place. They built the tower to protect themselves against the future judgment of God, as if that was even possible. So he confounded their language because he said they both, they, 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 they have the same language and they, their speech is the same. And that word speech is the word. So that their, their, their intents, their tent, their thoughts, their opinions were the same. That they had one goal, and that is to build us a tower, tower that reaches to the heavens so that God can't judge us. Now, I don't know how many people there were at that point, but I, I don't know how big the tower would have to be so that all the people that were alive at that point thought they could have gotten to a tower high enough that God couldn't flood the world again. These were all people that were the immediate generations after the flood. They knew the flood happened. So God in his desire to to judge them but not destroy them simply confounded their languages. But my friend, if you have one language that you've only ever prayed in and you've got a certain number of sounds that you say, I'm not saying that's not the Holy Ghost. I'm just simply saying you have not matured in your yieldness to God where he can give you the breakthrough necessary where you can have the liberty to do that. This condition often indicates that a person is not yielding to God in other areas of their life, not just their tongue, even to the point that much more thorough and complete repentance is necessary Oftentimes, this condition indicates that a believer has offenses that are unresolved and or they are dealing with significant shame concerning their past that they have not yet allowed the Father to deliver them and heal them of. So if I have grudges I'm holding on to toward others, or I've got shame toward myself, both of those things will limit my ability to have a flow of the Spirit in my life in prayer and praise in tongues. And that's part of the reason I would be stuck at those original languages. So God gives me the Spirit as a down payment that I will continue to grow in the Spirit and that as I'm growing the Spirit, He will give me the ability to forgive by the grace of God all offenses I've got and I'll also be able to forgive myself of everything I'm blaming myself for or that I have shame over so that I can be made whole and continue to grow in God. But whatever the case will become obvious in the next few lessons that the points being made do not fit with a person who has no liberty in tongues and who doesn't want liberty in tongues. I strongly urge you to pray until you can pray with liberty in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to close this lesson out with uh, my personal testimony about all this. You see, I've lived all of this. I was born in the church my mother was attending not in the building physically but I, my mother was attending the United Pentecostal Church when I was born my earliest some of my earliest memories were in church services some of my earliest memories were prayer meetings of my with my mother my father was at uh, in the Korean war and in order to pray she would take my brother and I into the bathroom and lock the door And we could do whatever we wanted to in the bathroom, but at least she didn't have to worry about where we were. And she would kneel at the tub and pray until she was done. I remember that. I had dreams. Very young, without the Holy Ghost, had dreams. There were times I prayed. All those years. I remember prayers I prayed. I remember the very first prayer that I remember praying. I prayed for my dad, who was... Lost in the Korean war. He was lost, but he was in Korean war and I prayed for him. The Holy ghost moved on me. That's a story for another time, but I had that experience. And so the first nine years going to church and going to Sunday school, not never missing a service and not resenting being taken to church by my mother. My dad wasn't in the church at that time. I, uh, I, uh, I never, I, there were times I felt God, I knew I felt God. But that first time I really prayed was in church. That first time I prayed, I prayed for my dad was in church. And the Spirit of God was on me. Looking back on it now, I understand how heavily the Spirit of God was on me when I prayed. But I never really I knew people went to the altar got God, the Holy Ghost, but it never was in me. I'd never, There was never a desire to go. And then one time I was at uh, the camp meeting in Tennessee when we lived in Memphis. My dad was stationed outside of Memphis. And uh, I was nine years old. And I went to camp. Uh, so I'd have been probably four or five months past nine, my birthday. And uh, I don't remember what happened in the service. And I don't remember why now. But in that service, the Holy Ghost came upon me and I began to pray. And I began to seek God for uh, the Holy Ghost. I was nine years old. I didn't receive it. And having been raised in the church and having been conditioned by what I saw as the norm, I then felt obligated. This is the truth. I felt obligated any time there was an altar call uh, to go forward and seek for the Holy Ghost, carry for the Holy Ghost, seek for the Holy Ghost. I went to receive the Holy Ghost, but never got the Holy Ghost. I never received it. I went because I was supposed to. There were times I was afraid. The fear of God caused me to go to the altar. Because I was afraid that if I didn't go, that God will take that as meaning. I didn't want the Holy Ghost someday. And so, therefore, he wouldn't give it to me. And so I kept going. And I went to the altar all the way up through the rest of my ninth year and all through my tenth year and all through my eleventh year. Every service, wherever we were stationed, whatever church we went to, whenever there was an altar call, I went to the altar. And sometimes the spirit of the Lord would move on me, and I would weep, and uh, I would I would feel God on me, but I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, sometimes I got really really close with the hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujahs, uh, but I didn't receive the Holy Ghost, and uh, and uh, it was a you know. And other times I would go and I'd put in the time just to say to God and everybody else, I'm still interested, uh, I'm still interested. You say 11, 10, 11 year old things like that. Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I wanted to make sure that God and everybody else knew I still wanted the Holy Ghost. But I never had any, I never went to the altar with any real expectation. And so, uh, it was this Sunday after my 12th birthday. There was an evangelist who was uh, preaching in our church at that time in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh I had been going to the, I'd, it was, that was, this was the end of the second week of that revival. And I think it was the last night of the revival. And I'd been going to the altar every night and didn't get the Holy Ghost. And so there was a Sunday night after my 12th birthday. And, uh, I went to the altar and there was a young man traveling with the evangelist to help it sing and to work at the altar. His name was Chuck Carr. And, uh, I went to the altar that night and uh he and a uh, teenage girl in our church named we called her Billy she was like 5 or 6 7 years older than me uh the two of them were praying with me and I got down and I had my head bowed and I was praying like I normally did and and then I I was done and I started to get up and I don't know if they discussed this in advance I don't know to this day but simultaneously, one grabbed one arm upper arm and the other grabbed the upper arm um, upper arm and pulled me back to the altar and said, "Not tonight, Chester, you're not getting up tonight till you receive the Holy Ghost and for the first time in my life, I went from believing that I would receive the Holy Ghost someday to believing that I was going to receive the Holy Ghost tonight because For some reason, I believe they meant it. They meant it on several levels. They meant it they weren't letting me up. But they also meant it that they believed I was going to get the Holy Ghost that night. And I don't know why that impacted me like it did, but it did. And I uh, I remember thinking to myself, well, if they believe I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight, I guess I am. And uh I prayed and of course and you know I had to go through all the cultural deal that I had been I had been taught by example over the years the 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 you know thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus till I get to the hallelujah 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 until my tongue is not exactly under control with the hallelujah, hallelujah hallelujah you know and then and then all of a sudden uh, I, I got the stammering lips I, uh, 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 and, and and my tongue is still not saying anything. And then all of a sudden I, I don't know if I consciously or subconsciously did this. Nobody explained this to me. I try to explain this to people now. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know what it was uh, expected to be like, but all of a sudden I mean, I began to speak in tongues like 90 miles an hour. And it was just flowing out of me. And it wasn't well, just a couple of sounds. It was a bunch of different sounds. It just flowed, flowed, flowed. And it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I remember thinking, well, now that it started, when, it, how is it going to stop? Because I knew in, from my pers- perspective, I didn't start this. What I did was yield and I gave my voice to it. But the empowerment of the Holy Ghost was such that it was flowing. And I I never questioned. I got the Holy Ghost. I knew I got the Holy Ghost and it was flowing and flowing and flowing. And this went for a while. I don't remember how long it was, but finally just all of a sudden, I don't know what I did or what happened, but I just stopped. Just kind of came to myself and, realized that I was had really kind of been someplace else in the Spirit. And, uh, of course, uh, there was a lot of people gathered around uh, rejoicing in the Lord and they baptized me that night. I wish I could tell you that that was the beginning of something amazing between the Lord and I and the Spirit, but it was not. Because that cultural expectation going through the thank you Jesuses and the hallelujahs and finally the stammering lips and then finally breaking through in tongues and then not knowing when or how they would stop was so unsettling to me that for the next 10 years of my life, from 12 to 22, I did not speak in tongues very often. In fact, I would say that I never spoke in tongues more than twice in one year. And as I entered into my teenage years and there were times that, you know, I struggled with stuff internally. I was the good boy outside, but, you know, I had hormones and problems and uh, questions and whatever, and I'd feel so guilty about these thoughts and these wonderings that I would sometimes be really concerned that I wasn't saved. And in order to make sure I was still saved, then I would buckle down and I would pray and go through this process. Sometimes it took an hour, sometimes it took two hours or more. I'd finally work my way through this process till I could speak in tongues again. Then it was going again, and I didn't know how and when it would stop. I never did understand how and when it would stop. But after that was over with, I'm still saved. Still got the Holy Ghost. Now, to say that this is not how the Lord has taught all this is an understatement. But it was practiced like this by a lot of Pentecostals that I went to church with. And it's still practiced like this by Pentecostals today. Either consciously or subconsciously or sometimes one or the other. And so, I remember I was, uh, oh, I'd had the Holy Ghost for a while, but Uh, My mom and dad had had the only real fight I ever remember them having. It was bad. And uh, my dad had had to go to a a party that his commanding officer was giving in the military. My mother, of course, did not go. And he came home drunk. And the only time I'd ever seen him drunk. And she lost it. And uh, she was trying to throw him out of the house. And I was so upset. The first time I ever prayed and prayed in tongues for some reason other than myself. But I went into the bedroom and prayed, and as I prayed and prayed for my mom and dad and prayed for my family, I, without even intending to do so, worked through this process of praying in tongues, breaking through into the liberty of tongues. But this went on. And, uh, I really honestly don't think I ever spoke in tongues more than twice a year because it was really not a, it was wonderful once you got there. Once you were finally speaking in tongues, it was wonderful. But that whole process that I was led to believe by example, uh, as I watched all these years and I watch all the time. I, I've known ever, there's never been a time I wasn't a people watcher, study everything, watch everything going on. And I learned all of this and I thought that was the only way it was supposed to be done. <clears throat> and it never registered in my mind that there were people, older people that had the Holy Ghost that would speak in tongues occasionally, but I was never in a church where people spoke in tongues very much. I knew everybody there could technically, but I didn't ever hear people talk in tongues very much. So I never talked in tongues very much. It was never encouraged. It was never an issue, but I graduated uh from the Naval Academy and uh uh started in flight training in Pensacola, Florida, where I was born. And uh, my mom and dad are both from uh, north Pensacola, still in Florida, but uh, uh, not Pensacola itself. And so I went down there to, to uh, uh, go to flight school. And uh, I went to Brother Welch, who was the pastor, pastor of the church that my mother had attended. And I always essentially considered him my pastor, even though I never actually sat under him one time having the Holy Ghost. But I went to him and said, Brother Welch, uh, you know, I love you and this church very, very much, and I'd be happy to come here. But there's a little home missions church out there that you're aware of out by the Navy base, and uh, I'd like to go to church out there and help them because I believe I'm going to get a chance to do a lot of things there that there wouldn't really be an opportunity for me to do here. He didn't take offense to that at all. He said, Chester? Chester? you just go right ahead and do that. God bless you doing it. And and God I'll pray for you that Lord will help you. And so I went with his blessings. And uh the man's name was Homer Thomas. And uh he was quite a case. Uh he had been saved just 5 years. He he was uh at the, he was uh, in his 40s. He had a, uh, uh, he had been a bouncer for years in Pensacola and bars at 5'8". He wasn't a big man height-wise or muscle-wise, but he was fearless. And the story is that if he was the bouncer in your bar, you never had any problems because everybody knew he just soon hit you in the forehead with a hammer as a look at you. He was a tough, rough man, but he got the Holy Ghost, and God really did a work in this man's life. But as the old saying goes, he lived as hard for God as he had for the devil. And so he was so focused and so driven that uh, he was allowed by his pastor to go start a home missions work out and out near the Navy base. He didn't go to Brother Welch's. There was another church in Pensacola area that he was saved in. And so I'm going to this church. And he had, he was a great guy. Very, very, he had tremendous worldly wisdom. Uh, but he only had an eighth-grade education. But he loved me, and he uh, he uh, he drew me right in. And when I when I told him I wanted to come, he immediately put me in the pulpit and started leading services. I'd never done that before. And uh, needless to say, uh, this was a very demonstrative church. They did a lot of shouting, dancing, and and uh, and rolling in the floor. They did all of that, and I'd never done any of that. I had seen it, of course, but I had never gone that far because I'm a very reserved person and people don't think that. And you listen to me with the Holy Ghost flow and you think this is me. This is not me. This is not me at all. I am very much of an introvert and a, uh, a reserved person. And, uh, I, you know, so I, I watched all that. I never condemned any of it, but never wanted to do any of it. So the first thing that kind of happened in my life was, uh, well, the first thing that happened was in all the, I'd been a part of seven United Pentecostal churches growing up in every part of the country, uh, Northwest Florida, Northeast Florida, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, uh, San Diego, California, Memphis, Tennessee, back to uh, to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where there was another pastor when I went back that time. Back to, went to Rhode Island and back down to, uh, to, uh, uh, Washington, D.C. area my last couple of years at home. And not one of these great men of God had ever preached that you should speak in tongues every day. But this man that had only been saved five years, this man who had, um, had never had any formal training, but was on fire for God said he was a, he was a mailman at that time. He said, I never leave the house every morning until after I have prayed and prayed in tongues. I remember the first time I heard that thinking to myself, if I do that, I'll have to get up. I got to be at work at seven to go to ground school. I, I, I'll have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to have enough time to work, to go through all this stuff I've got to go through to pray in tongues. Now, he wasn't like that. He prayed in tongues really easy. He prayed in tongues a lot. I'd never really been around anybody like that. That did that in my presence, or at least I'd never really been a, a part of a church where there were a lot of people like that. There would be occasionally a a few people that would do that. And everybody considered them the most spiritual ones of the church, but nobody was trying to be like them because most of those, those weren't the pastor. They were just some saint. a lot of times an old saint, uh, that, you know, and a lot of times an old sister and they were, you know, they, they speak in tongues at a moment at the drop of a hat, or they'd be the first ones to shout and dance and, and, and whatever. and, and, you know, sometimes they would embarrass us kids and other times we would be uncomfortable with it because there were visitors present, but they didn't care. They're just going to do whatever God said to do. Well, yeah. here I am. I've been raised going to seven different churches and I learned immediately, uh, as I was growing up, you, whatever pastor where you were that you, you did what that pastor said. That was your pastor. God sent you there. While you were there, whatever he said, even if it was different than what you thought, you did what the pastor said. So here I am. And I've lived this for eight, for 22 years now. And I've had the Holy Ghost 10 years. Spoken in tongues on average of at most twice a year. And now, now, <laughs> now, I got this man. I've had the Holy Ghost 10 years. He's only had the Holy Ghost 5. I got a college degree. He's got an eighth grade education. But he said, you pray in tongues every day. And I never one time said, I'm not doing that. I'm saying, Oh Lord, you're going to help me. Well, I was single at the time. And so I'm, I made up my mind, which is exactly what I'm trying to get you to do. I made up my mind, God, If this is the way it's supposed to be, it's not like that. And if you've got this for me, I want it. And that next day, which was a Monday, I got up and went to the church early. By that time, I had a key to the church. And I was the only one there by myself. I went to the church early, and I prayed for two or three hours before I had to leave to go to to get to to class. And then during lunch, uh, I, I wouldn't speak. Go, I had an hour for lunch. There was a chapel right across the street from the, from the a building we were having ground school in. And I would go over there and I would pray that entire hour in that chapel. Then I'd come back, go through ga- ground school, and then I would come back to the church. I don't know that I intended to fast, but I was so hungry for God, I just wasn't eating very much. And then I would pray as long as I could pray in the building. Until I had to go and do whatever homework I had. So I could go to sleep and get started the next morning. And I did this for several days. Because God, whatever it takes. my The pastor says, I'm supposed to pray in tongues every day. And you know I don't do that easy. Whatever is hindering me. Whatever is holding me back. If this is the way it's supposed to be. Do this in me. Well. Each one of those days, I'd go through that process to finally get the tongues. And I remember when I was doing that in the mornings, I became very concerned that it wouldn't stop in time for me to get to work because I'd be in trouble if I was late to class. But I, it always did. So eventually, and at first, I didn't even really notice the difference, but each day, this lead up Process to finally being able to pray in tongues got shorter and shorter and shorter. And initially, I didn't even recognize that because all I'm doing is trying to, and you know, and I'd pray till I could get to the place of praying in tongues and then I just let it go as long as I could stay there. And then I did that for day after day after day. And uh, then eventually it got to where about a week of that I, w- I wasn't having to do a whole lot. I could just, I'd just start and then the Holy Ghost would move on me and I'd begin to to pray. And then I remember, this was like about the eighth, ninth, tenth day, somewhere in there. I remember I was walking and just praying in tongues. And this voice said to me, you're just making that up. Because it was so effortless at that time. And I and I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm listening real close to it. Am I making that up? Is that me? Am I just? Are those just sound? Am I? Am I repeating these things and, and whatever? No, no, I'm not repeating. It's different. So, and I'm thinking, all this is going through my mind. And finally, the sweet voice of Jesus said to me, very gently, "Ask him, how can you can be making that up while you're listening to it at the same time? That's not possible." and it was like light burst in my brain and went off and i went that's exactly right it's hard enough to talk with my brain involved in speaking the language of my mind but all of these strange sounds that were they they sounded like language again i'd had 2 years of high school french and 2 two semesters of college french and i'd been around some uh, uh, one of my pastors had been Italian and his family spoke Italian and, and I'd been around that. Uh, and then, you know, and I'd been around other people of some that spoke Spanish and whatever. I'd heard these different languages. In fact, I had been both in Spain and Italy in the summer before my last year at the Naval Academy. So I, I, I knew these were languages. I didn't know what the language was, but I knew it was a language. But I'm thinking, how can I be saying that? How can I be listening passively with my mind while all that's flowing out of me? And from that day to this, I have never questioned where what's coming out of my mouth and tongues comes from. Because it's not humanly possible. For the mind to make up stuff that is obviously a language, if you're listening, if someone knew that language that was present, they would understand it. And so, that just took me into an old, whole total difference of confidence. And the for another week or so, I uh, I went to the church every day and uh, the same pattern. And I just walk in the building, and in a few moments I'm speaking in tongues, and I pray in tongues the whole time I was there until I had to leave, and I did that. And it got to where it was really easy for me to do that. And according to James chapter 1 and chapter 3, by the Lord bridling my tongue, he then began to be able to bridle my body. And so it's my night to leave service. This was a little while later. I was married, I believe, by then. Maybe not. Maybe it was just before I got married. But it was well after this breakthrough of tongues came. And uh, I was in a little room off the platform praying by myself, getting prepared to lead the service that night. And I'm standing there praying, and this sweet, still, small voice in me said, Jump. Before I knew what I was my first thought was, Who me? But before I knew what I was doing, I was bouncing up and down like I was on a pogo stick, except this time. It felt like I had my, my, I didn't have any shoes on, and every time my feet would touch the ground, it was like I was landing in a puddle of water with a shorted out electric cord running through it, because there was such a shock of the power of God every time my feet hit the ground, and 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 that went on a little while, and then I got angry. I didn't get angry at God. I get angry. I got angry myself. I, I I remember thinking while I still was speaking in tongues and bouncing up and down. I remember the Lord saying, or, or I remember saying to myself, uh, you mean I have cheated myself out of this all these years? What I thought was being reserved was just pride. It was just pride. Well, nobody was in the room with me. So I went out to lead the, the service that night, 22 years old. And I'm in the pul- pul- pulpit and the Holy Ghost begins to move. And the one thing I never could see myself doing is what we call shouting, where it looks like you just kind of blow up. Arms and legs going every which way, you just all over the place. I couldn't see myself doing that. But that I'm leading a service, I'm worshiping God, and that still sweet small voice that just had spoken to me in the privacy of that room to jump said to me, shout. And again, my first response was, who, me? And when I came to myself, I realized way back in the back of my mind, I was aware of the fact that when I cut loose, they'd never seen me do anything like that. That whole church froze for a moment. And it got quiet for just a moment, but it was a pronounced moment. And when they realized the miracle they were seeing, the place lost it. And that was the end of that service. We we had such an... Holy Ghost downpour and outpour that it was amazing. And again, I'm struggling with, you mean I've deprived myself of this all my life? Because the yieldness of tongues led to a yieldness in other ways in my life that I had never experienced before. And I always thought it just, it was not my personality. We were building a new building. And it's my first opportunity to be involved in any kind of construction. I learned a lot, and we had moved in the new building. And this was some months later. And I'm up leading service again. And this church was much larger, and uh, you had a built-in altar across it, and then you had to go down whatever. And then there was a uh, there were two long aisles uh, in the middle. There were three sections: two long aisles, two side aisles, and then whatever. And I'm standing there to lead worship. And this had never happened before, but that I recognized that same sweet, small voice said, run. And the first thing, my response was, who me? When I came to myself, I was halfway down that first aisle going as fast as I could go. I was going so fast, I couldn't stop. I went right through that back doors, out in the parking lot, ran around the cars, came back in, ran up the other aisle, across the platform, Back down and did that lap two or three times at least. And every time my feet touched the ground, it was like I was barefooted and my foot was landing in a puddle of water. And I, like I was feeling a shorted out electric wire. Now, my experience in demonstrative worship over the years hasn't had those same initial experiences, but it's been powerful. There's always been the same manifestation in that has been powerful. The place that I've grown was I grew in my liberty in praying in tongues. Now one last thing before I conclude this testimony and therefore this lesson. My dad who at the time was not saved was stationed in the area and uh, this had been about he was very busy. I was very busy. I'd gone, it was a couple of weeks after I'd finally found this liberty in tongues. I say I found it. I finally, the Holy Ghost finally broke through past my flesh and my stubbornness and my own will that I was allowing to keep me restrained and believing it was okay. And I uh, I went by to see my dad and I knocked on the door of the house and uh, he came to the door. And uh, normally he'd just open the door and say, come on in, son. But he didn't. He stepped up in the doorway and looked at me. And he said, Chet. Only he and my mom called me that by my choice. Uh, Chet, what's happened to you? And I'm blown away. This is my dad. He's not even saved, right? Uh, I don't, I, what, what's he talking about? I said, I don't, I don't know what she's talking about. He said, what's happened to you? I don't know, dad. He said, something's happened to you. I I can't think of anything. I I don't know what he's talking about. He said, there's a glow on your face. I have never seen before. Now, my dad always supported us going to church. Sometimes he'd go with us. But he knew that if he got the Holy Ghost, he'd been baptized before I I was born. But he never allowed the Lord to give him the Holy Ghost because he knew once he got the Holy Ghost, he'd have to preach. That's exactly what happened. He got the Holy Ghost 10 years after the church started here, in the service here, 31st of December, 1979. But here's my dad that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, believes the Bible, loves the Bible, just not willing to get out of the Navy yet. He's he standing there saying to me, what's happened to you? I don't know. You've got this glow on your face I have never seen before. What's changed? What's different? He said. And I said, and then it just hit me. I said, well, I don't know, Dad, but I've had the Holy Ghost a long time, but I never spoke in tongues very much. But the last month or so, uh, the pastor said I need to speak in tongues every day. So I started going to church and praying until I could speak in tongues really easily. And I speak in tongues a lot now. He paused and looked at me and said, well, I don't know if that's it. But whatever it is, don't stop because I've never seen you like this before. Now realize this video has been a little longer than the ones in this series. But I've told you this story to let you know that I didn't get all this stuff out of some guy's book. I got all, all this out of the book as the Lord Jesus Christ taught me and showed me what he was doing in my life as he would give me an experience and then take me back to the book to show it to me in the in the Bible. And everything I have taught in these lessons and will be teaching in these lessons didn't come out of anybody's book, only out of the Bible. And they came from my personal experience. He taught me these things. And now, for your benefit and for the benefit of the kingdom, I am teaching them to you in the hopes that it will stir such a hunger in your spirit that you refuse to settle for not having the liberty in God and then the Holy Ghost that he desires for you to have in him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray the spirit of grace and the spirit of mercy and the spirit of supplication upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would, and the spirit of hunger and thirst from him and for him, that you would not be satisfied with where you are in God, but that you would make up your mind. You're not going to cheat yourself out of everything that God has for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak this to you, on you, and for you in the name of Jesus that the grace of God would work this in you and that you would come to the place in him, that you would receive this for his glory and for your growth in him so that you can be a part of his kingdom, his plan and his purpose in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so and let it be so in your life. I love you. In Jesus' name.